day six on our 40-day journey through the Gospel of John. And today we dive into the most famous verse, the most memorized verse in the whole Bible, John 3.16. We're up to John chapter 3, verses 1 to 21. And of course, John 3.16 is right in the heart of that text. But Jesus didn't proclaim this message in his Sermon on the Mount or in some teaching discourse with his disciples. He said this in a one-on-one, back-and-forth conversation with Nicodemus. Nicodemus, he said to him, For God so loved the world that he gave you his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God loves you. He loves you like that. He loves you so much that he sent his one and only son, the Lamb of God, as John the Baptist said to his disciples when he was encouraging them in John chapter 1, if you'll remember, to follow Jesus instead of him now. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John said. Follow him, not me. He's the one who God sent into this world out of love for you and out of love for this whole world to die as a sacrifice for your sin. Just believe in him. Belief is the glue, is the bond that joins you together with God now and forever. And that word, which is pisteo in the original Greek of John 3.16, will recur over and over and over again. It is the key in John's gospel. And Jesus teaches it here to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, you don't have to do 72 things in order to be saved. A lot of a lot of religious people in the world today want to talk and teach and preach about a Jesus plus form of Christianity. Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection is great, but you have to do all these other things in order to really get saved. You have to pray a certain kind of prayer. You have to get converted according to a certain kind of formula. You have to get baptized in a certain kind of way. You have to repent in a certain kind of way. You have to have a certain kind of morality or you're not going to be saved. There's all these prerequisites on it, but that's not what comes through. It's this major theme in John's gospel. God loves you so much. He gave you his one and only son so that if you just believe, not if you just believe plus do all these other things, if you just believe, you will not perish, but you'll have everlasting life. This is the gospel. This is the good news and the power of God's love to save us. Look, when it comes to your salvation, here's a nice summary that somebody taught to me and I want to teach to you today. It's not about what you do. It's about what God has done. It's about the sacrifice of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ on the cross, and your belief in Jesus Christ so that as he is put to death on the cross as a sacrifice for our sin, our sin is put to death. Here's Jesus, here's you. Belief is the bond that glues you together to Jesus. As he's put to death, your sin is put to death. Three days later, he rose from the dead and he raises you up because you belong to Jesus through faith. To be a Christian literally means you belong to Christ. Belief, believing is the glue that bonds you to Jesus. And so you are raised up through the resurrection of Jesus Christ to win a victory over sin and a victory over death and a victory over the darkness of evil. That's why Martin Luther called John 3.16 the gospel in miniature. The gospel in a nutshell. And he's right. But let's put this verse in context as we read through John chapter 3 today. Starting in the first verse, it says, There was a man named Nicodemus who was a Jewish religious leader. He was a Pharisee. Well, the Pharisees were a part of the 
of the temple power and control that we talked about yesterday. But this tells us Jesus hasn't given up on them. Just because he's flipping their tables and driving out the money changers and, and, and standing up against their corruption doesn't mean that he wants them to be dismissed. Quite the opposite. He's trying to wake them up from their spiritual hibernation in the same way he does for you and me today. Find out what my word actually says. Instead of getting just stuck in religious traditions or formulas or saying, here's all the gotta do list in a Jesus plus religion of the things that must be done as prerequisites for heaven. No, it's, it's much more grace-based than that. We have, a love, we have a God whose love is big enough and power, powerful enough to not need us to do a bunch of things in order to get saved. We simply have to believe, according to the most famous verse in the whole Bible. Nicodemus came to Jesus, it says, under the cover of darkness in verse 2, or after dark one evening. He probably did that because he didn't want to be seen, but let's give him some credit. Because he was willing to take the risk to come to Jesus, probably, let's put the best possible construction on his motives, because he was seeking something from Jesus spiritually. Something that he knew the narrow-minded legalism of Pharisaic teaching that he was a part of wasn't doing for him. His spirit told him, you need something more. And maybe this Jesus has it. Maybe there was something inside of him that stirred when he heard Jesus or he saw him flipping the tables in the temple and he thought, there's something about what he's doing that I need to find out some more about. And so he did. He came to Jesus and he asked him a very practical kind of set of questions. He started by greeting him. He says, we know you're from God, very kind. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Very kind again. He's talking on a very kind of, kind of friendly, earthly level, but Jesus is going to take the conversation immediately up to a heavenly, spiritual, eternal level. And throughout John's gospel, especially over the next several chapters, look for that. Jesus is going to have one-on-one -on -one conversations with different characters in the Bible. And he's going to do that in a way where he's trying to lift us, lift them, and through them in this conversation, lift us up to a higher plane, to an eternal level, to a place where things don't end. Nicodemus, he says, I tell you the truth, first words out of Jesus' mouth in this conversation. John chapter 3, verse 3, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Whew, talk about a verse where a lot of well-intended Bible readers trip up and reach false conclusions. That therefore, that means born again means you have to be born again in the, the very narrow-minded way that I understand it. But if you unpack the original Greek, you realize it means born from above. To be born again is not really so much about the day you were born. Of course, if, you, if it wasn't that day you were born, you wouldn't be able to experience new life today or eternal life forever. But your birthday is your birthday. What if all we ever did when, it, when a new baby was born? Here's, here's a picture that I could not be more thrilled to show you. It is my favorite picture now. This was taken of my wife Sally and myself uh, not long after our first grandchild, our granddaughter Addison Rose was born in Charlotte, North Carolina, where our son and daughter-in-law live. We um, flew down there as quickly as we could to meet her and, and to hang out with her for a few days, and it was pure joy. <laughs> the love we feel for her is already off the charts. 
And while we're grateful for the day she was born and we will always remember it and we'll celebrate it every year and we'll just shower her with presents on her birthday and spoil her the way grandparents by definition do, I'm really more interested for Addison's sake in where her heart is each and every day for the rest of her life. Is her heart with God? Will will she grow into that kind of faith into which she'll be baptized? Because that's where the conversation turns. What do you mean, Nicodemus says, taking it back down to an earthly level? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? It it, it doesn't make any sense. And Jesus says, you must be born of water and the Spirit. You must be born. The waters of baptism. And you must be born, though, not just through the waters of baptism. You must be born in a way that your heart is alive in Christ, that you believe. And that takes us back to John 3.16. God loves you. Believe in him. Not because once upon a time you were born again into God's family, and that was the end of the story. No, you were born so that you could live. You were born so that you could experience new life today. Today, right now. You were born so that you could have the hope and the confidence and the assurance of eternal life with God and with a community of believers forever and ever. It's not just about the day you were born. Being born is for the sake of living now. That's what we want for our granddaughter. That, no matter how many pictures our, our, our son and daughter-in-law send on, my, on our phone, or no matter how many pictures I compile on, on my laptop, this is my new Addison Rose file that I started for her. And I have a feeling Grandpa's going to have thousands of Addison pictures before it's all said and done. In the end, at the very core, what I want for her, above all else, is for her to believe. Like, review, and share on whatever platform you're using that helps us get the word out. Join us for weekend worship. You can go to lutheranchurchofhope.org to find out how. We'll see you there. Bye.